Welcome to the PopGo Project Podcast, a platform for the discussion and discovery of arts and entertainment. We focus on highlighting people and events that add value to the world around us. Visit us on all social media platforms by searching The PopGo Project or visit our website at thepopgoproject.com. Welcome to the show and thank you so much for listening. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Keller's Garden Center and Landscaping Services. Are you still cutting your own grass? Are you still trying to get your landscaping to look perfect on your own? That sounds sweaty. That sounds like a lot of work. That sounds like a job for Keller's Garden Center and Landscaping Services. Family-owned and operated Keller's Garden Center and Landscaping Services, located on Kern Street in Exeter near Blue Ribbon Dairy, has the quality and experience to get your yard looking its best. The Garden Center offers plants, trees, sod, mulch, rocks, flowers, topsoil, grass seed, straw bales, and much more while the Lawn and Landscaping Services offers mowing, trimming, planting, and full landscaping. And also new at Keller's Garden Center is the Zen Chaser Bonsai Studio, offering bonsai trees, supplies, and classes. Visit them on their social media page for more info. Keller's Garden Center and Landscaping Services. Get your free estimate today. This episode is also brought to you by Paulson Tours. For almost 30 years, this family-owned and operated business has been sending people to sports games, racing events, concerts, vacations, and more. I myself have been using Paulson Tours for trips to Red Sox games, wine festivals, and an annual guy's trip to Boston for St. Patty's Day for almost 15 years. Check out the current trips being offered over at paulsontours.com. Life's a trip. Go with Paulson Tours. Welcome to the show, William Metzger. How are you, sir? Doing well. How about yourself? Not too bad, man. The world is a small place. Yes, it is. It's, And I say that because uh, you and I went to high school together. Yes, we did. And I literally have not seen you since you graduated high school in 2000. Yep, that's correct. Now, of course, we have social media, so I've seen you there. I've been able to stay up to date with, uh, you know, who you are to an extent and what you're doing. Uh, but it's funny how the world kind of brings us together because I've stayed in, in NEPA, Northeastern Pennsylvania, but you have traveled uh, much farther than that. Um, and we'll get into all that tonight. Uh, but thank you for taking the time. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. It's great yeah. to reconnect again. I know, I know. I was excited. I've been like pumped all day because um, uh, you are a music attorney mm-hmm. and you are also a uh, record label president at Affiant Records. Uh, so typically, as you know, I think uh, a lot of this is uh, interviews with musicians. So I'm excited to talk about a different angle, but still within the music industry. Um, I talk a lot about you know, to musicians about their music and what they're doing. So this will be like a kind of a a bigger scope or like a mm-hmm. a bigger cast, I guess. I don't know what you want to call it, but it's not specific to one thing as much as it is uh, just talking about music. Yep. So looking forward to it. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, so I mean, it's been like I said, it's twenty three years since I've seen you last. Um, yep. What what ended up happening after uh, high school? You graduated from uh, Lake Lehman. High school in, in uh, Lake Lehman, Pennsylvania, a little small town. Go Knights. 
Yeah, go Knights. <laughs> uh, and I said, like I said, I, I've uh, I've I've moved about forty five minutes to an hour uh, away from there. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, you've you've kind of traveled all over the place. So I wanted to kind of just find out what you've been up to, um, you know, since then, and we'll talk about what you're up to today. Sure. Yeah, I mean, you know, the thing I did was basically I left for boot camp for the Marine Corps three days after high school graduation. So that was technically my last time living in Pennsylvania, if you will, was at wow. 18. So, yeah. So I went uh, to boot camp in Paris Island. And by the time you got through all your training schools and everything, they sent me out to San Diego uh, for the, the fleet. You know, if you're in for your four years. Uh, so I actually played guitar in the Marine Corps band out there. And yeah, I fell in love with California. Like the day I got there, San Diego, the weather's beautiful, the beaches, the palm trees, you know, much different than Northeast PA. So, sure. and I, yeah. I probably back then was probably much different than LA is now. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it was a whole, whole different world. There's a reason I'm not there now. Yeah. But uh, so, yeah, so I did that and, uh, you know, did the Marine Corps thing for a while. And when I got out, uh, I did move up to LA and went to Musicians Institute in Hollywood. Um, that's where I kind of gotten into the love of the business side of music, if you will. And we could go into more of that later. But um, yeah, so then, you know, I was in California teaching guitar lessons. I did move to Long Island for a year to go to school, uh, then back to San Diego. And then finally, I wanted to finish my degree. And my wife, she's from Dallas, Pennsylvania, actually. Um, She said, you know, we need to finish our degrees. So we moved to here in North Texas to go to UNT. And then I got into law school here. And uh, the rest is kind of history. That's how we got here. So, yeah. That's a super quick version, so I'm gonna take it back yeah. a little bit. <laughs> I I think I remember you like being involved in a band in high school, or maybe mm-hmm. you were just uh, into you know uh, guitar. Um, and I don't remember you like leaving for uh, uh, the Marine Corps. Is, is you know that 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 soon? Yeah, yeah. Now I played saxophone from what is it, seventh grade all the way till twelfth grade, and I picked up guitar in like ninth grade. So, yeah, it was three days after. I just wanted to go and get it over with. So I figured, why not? You know, tear the bandaid off quick. What what, what uh, was appealing about that? Uh, mostly the fact that I auditioned and made it to play guitar. So, I mean, I thought that was kind of cool, you know, unfortunately the, the world of events turned into not so much playing guitars, holding a rifle in the years oh. that I served, but you yeah. know, it is what it is. I learned a lot. Like I said, it got me to California. Um, so, you know, that, that took my life in completely different directions, I think. So I was really proud of that, you know, proud of the service, um, you know, politics aside, it is what it is, what, what happened, but you know, it instilled a lot of discipline in me and the ability to go on and, you know, do what I do now, I think. Yeah, that's so you had that you auditioned for the Marine Corps, like band. Mm-hmm. Yep. Right in the chorus room in the high school. They had a recruiter guy come who I guess he goes around the country and auditions people. And so I sat there in the chorus room, played some stuff for him. And he's like, yeah, you're good enough. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> was that something you always like thought you know you saw yourself doing or is that just kind of like hey you're you're in high school you're you're interested in music and that kind of you know it's an opportunity and you're like okay i could see myself doing this yeah i mean i knew i wanted some money for college and the whole gi bill and everything so you know it was a route that i was gonna have to go and i figured hey why not play guitar you know if i can get away with it and get paid yeah. to do it so and i asked that question because like you know any form of military was just not on my radar. Like, mm-hmm. 
Uh, it just wasn't something that um, I was interested in or that, you know, yeah, it, it's that's not for me. Um, and I've also interviewed Clay Cadwalder. Was he in your grade or was he two years ago? Man, I haven't heard that name in years. Oh man, I think he was a year or two older than I. You're ahead of you, maybe. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I just always find it fascinating how like people like get into that or choose that because like I it's so respectable, obviously. Um, it, and it's something that I don't. I felt that I could never do. Um, so I was I was curious as to like how people choose that direction, or maybe it you know chooses them almost to a degree. Yeah. No, I mean, my sister was in too. She had gone in two or three years before me. So, I was so you were like, familiar. Our, okay. Yeah. And, you know, I figured if I go in a branch of service, I can't let my sister show me up. So, you know, <laughs> <laughs> go in the Marines as well. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. And I mean, I don't even know if like, you know, obviously it wasn't on my radar, but I, I wonder if people know that like, you know, you could audition for, you know, music in the, in the Marine. Yeah. Like, yeah, there was only, I think, 12 or 13 possible positions for guitarists in the in the Marines. So I'm not sure. I'm sure things a lot has changed since I've been in. So I'm not sure exactly now. But, you know, it's it's a good option. Military bands for musicians. Um, you wind up like I, when I was in college, there was a lot of other people who had you know gone the same path I did, um, you know, along with the cruise ship musicians and everything like that. So it's definitely like a viable option if you're looking to play music and you know have a solid paycheck for it. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. But like you said you, you know, it was uh not so much holding the guitar as it was a rifle. Um, you know, what was that like? I mean, you know, when I got in, it was all fun and games, I'll say, as far as, you know, everything going on and then nine eleven happened and then you could kind of I mean, you could feel the shift in, you know, instead of practicing, we're gonna do war exercises and prepare for things. And then when uh when the whole Iraq thing started coming about is when it really intensified. So February 9th of 2003, we were on a plane over to Kuwait and we were there for the whole start of the war and, you know, watched it unfold in front of our eyes. And then uh, luckily, you know, we came back and the unit I was in wound up going back a couple more times, I think, but I had gotten out by that time. So I only had one trip over there, luckily. Now, obviously, you know, it's, it's always a possibility, right? Um, going in and every that, marine like, rifleman that's the saying but yeah but like i mean when it was happening like what were what were you thinking what were your thoughts like were you kind of like almost in disbelief to a degree or were you like hey this is what i signed up for let's let's uh let's go you know i i think being so young you kind of have a feeling of invincibility if you will yeah um so you know you kind of just go through it and i think you know, i took it day by day you know i mean obviously nobody wanted to be there of course but we knew we had to be so yeah every day you just kind of push through and you meet new people people that we got deployed with we were attached to an air force security forces wing so that's when i met people from alabama and you know places i, I never even thought and you kind of make really good friends you know especially when you're in a stressful situation like that anytime we kind of get that kind of fraternization going on whenever you're in a stressful situation it happens with college too. You know, mm -hmm. if you're in stressful classes together, you wind up making friends. So, it, you know, it was, it was not a fun time. I'm not going to say it was, you know, the best times of my life, but you know, we made it through and thankfully we all came home and, you know, um, yeah. yeah, I mean, it kind of just was what it was. So. Yeah. Well, thank you for your service. Um, you're welcome. Was there, ever a moment um where you were 
in a situation where you were worried that maybe you you wouldn't be coming home? Yeah. Um, I would say two days. Now it's probably the day after the war started. It's it's always hard because the time zones are off from what America thinks the war started from, you know, actually banging their boots on the ground. But uh yeah, we were we were getting we were all in this huge truck uh going out to they would drop us off at our duty posts for the day. And the sirens started going off and that meant an incoming scud missile, you know, was coming in. So and that was the first time. And we had been told and had numerous, numerous classes on it that you know, they were going to use chemical weapons or biological weapons. So we're all falling out of the back of this truck, trying to get our NBC suits on and gas masks and everything and run for cover anywhere we could. And so, you know, that was real scary because I just remember kind of after I got all my gear on, sitting, looking up in the sky, thinking, well, where is this missile? You know, I'm about to see this come down and everything. Luckily, we had Patriot batteries that, you know, got to shoot them all down before they hit. But, um, you know, the first time... Second time it was scary. Two, third time it was scary. But then it kind of kept happening over and over, and you kind of honestly get used to it. Your brain just kind of does what it does to shut it off, and you know it's just like, oh, here we go again, kind of thing. Honestly, I can't imagine. I, I really, it just, it, it's, you know, you, like for me, people like me, we see that in movies, you know, mm-hmm. and it's 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 hard to believe, and it's unfortunate that like that shit's real and people have gone through it and not everyone has come home and it's, Mm -hmm. it's terrible. Yes, it is. Yeah. So yeah. Glad you, uh, you made it home too. So me too. Very thankful and blessed. (laughs) Yeah. So I, yeah, I I mean, I don't want to talk too much about that. I'm not sure how much you want to get into that, that world. I mean, I know a lot of people unfortunately have, um, a hard time talking about that or or bad memories. Mm So, um, yeah, I mean, the one thing I'd say, you know, because I often think about, you know, we see a lot of veteran problems today and veteran suicide and everything. And I think the key is, is like, you know, it's a huge part of your life. It's definitely a life-changing experience. You'll never be the same again. Everybody knows that who's been through it. But, you know, if you serve for four years from age 18 to 22 or whatever, don't make that your life. You have so much life left after. There's so much you can do. There's so much opportunity if you go back and look at, what you've been through, what you've overcome, what you've accomplished, you know, don't make those four years, the bane of your existence of, you know, like, obviously, if you have problems, yes, get get help. Uh, You know, there's places out there to help and and you definitely need help. And there's people who have seen a lot of things and done a lot of things that no person should ever have to do. But, you know, if you can get out and, and take what you've learned and take that experience and apply it to something else, going to school, building a business, um, anything even just having a family i mean make sure that you know the rest of your life is not just reliving those four years over and over and over again that's good advice um and that's a good transition into uh i guess the next part of your life did you serve for four years and then you got out Mm -hmm. yep um and what did that kind of look like for me it was really crazy. It was a real I'll be honest it was a hard transition because I got out on a Friday and on Saturday I moved to Hollywood. So you want to talk about from going like to the strict life of you know everything's got to be planned and everything to Halloween every day. Uh it, it was quite an adjustment, you know, I have to say. Uh first month it was pretty rough. I'll be honest with you. I, I wasn't feeling too hot about life, but Thankfully, you know, when I got into the program at Musicians Institute and I met a lot of great friends and it was all about music and I just dove headfirst into it. And, you know, we wound up having so much fun and had great times together and once again, made lifelong friends there as well. 
you said it was kind of you were, you were uneasy. Like, what, what what made it that way? Just because of the the complete difference of of life, and or yeah, I mean, not only that, but that's the first time you're truly on your own, if you will. I had to get an apartment. I had to pay rent. You don't have to do that in the military, so you know you have to figure yeah. out. GI bill payments coming in and, you know, just that kind of stuff. Also, too, you know, school was new to me at the time, too. So being in a class that's not high school, you know, the, the first college experience, if you will, you had to get used to that. So it was a lot of adjustments that had to be made very quickly. Got it. Now, so you're you're essentially going to school when others are finishing school, um, right? You're Correct. 20, yep. 22, 23. Yep. If you go to school like right after college or right college right after high school, you know you might be you know wrapping things up. Was it um, what was that experience like as far as that goes? Uh, I mean, uh, was it a really big deal or did it kind of? Honestly, at Musicians Institute, a, a lot of the people in my program were older than me. They okay. were already in their thirties and stuff. So okay. I, sometimes I was the youngest one in like our little friend group, if you will. There you so go. that's good, right? Yeah, I mean, so it was it was a nice transition that way. I would say definitely. Okay. And what was that uh, college like? Well, you know, you, you mentioned making friends and, and, you know, all the music and stuff. Like, talk about that experience. It, I loved it, honestly. I mean, it was only a six-month program, but, I, you know, you're just so immersed in everything between learning how to record, learning how to do Photoshop for the program I was in, plus um, playing guitar and I mean, famous people would just walk by you in the hall. Paul Gilbert, the great guitar player, he'd just be sitting in a room shredding. And you could just go in and be like, hey, Paul, what's up? And he'd be like, hey, let me show you this lick. And it's like, wow, you know, I'm sitting here with Paul Gilbert, my lord. Um, you know, they would bring in a lot of different speakers. Um, teachers for the classes used to, you know, be managers for KISS. So he had some great hands-on experience. And like I said, that's where I started to see two things. And that, that kind of made a huge transition in my life. Prior to that, I just really wanted to be a rock star as far as a guitar player. Um, but once I got there, I saw what a working musician was, meaning, you know, how to actually make a living doing it, taking either teaching guitar for a living, um, taking, you know, theater gigs where you're playing in a pit or, you know, little jazz trios where you're playing in restaurants for money. And then the other side of that was the business side, obviously, because that was huge. So learning about you know, recording, learning about publishing rights, learning about record label operations, um, how to sell yourself, how to promote yourself, that entire side of it and meeting, you know, executives in the music industry was, was a really incredible experience that really changed obviously the course of my life. So when you saw the business side of things, is that what you saw that and kind of like, this is the direction I want to go with it? Not at first, honestly. You know, I always kept the experience in my back pocket and the knowledge and was always interested in it. Um, it wasn't until I was actually getting out of my undergrad degree in jazz guitar performance where I thought, you know what, I'm pretty burnt out on music, to be honest with you. Um, UNT University of North Texas here. Excellent music program, world renowned, very competitive. Uh, every day is a jury or, you know, some kind of audition you have to do. You're always competing with your classmates. So just after so many years of doing it, I was kind of on the burnout side of it. And I thought, you know, let me, I looked at the business side and I thought, yeah, now's, now's the time independent things are kind of popping up. Now things are changing in the world. You know, that's everything's kind of fracturing into different ways and I can get in doing that. And so uh, I thought, Hey, let's, let's go get a business degree. I thought maybe an MBA would be something I could get into where I could work at a record label or you know, do something on the industry side. 
but my wife at the time was taking a business law class for, for her accounting degree. And so she came home and she said, you know, I don't think you want to do an MBA. I think you want to be a lawyer. I thought, okay. And so I looked into it and, you know, I started realizing, hey, all these, especially, you know, the, the older people in the industry that run it, the, the Clive Davises of the industry, they're all lawyers. They started as lawyers. So I thought, hey, you know what? I'm way better at reading than I am at math. And so uh, I, I said, Let, let's do law school. And I looked into it and started going that direction. That's such a cool like thing. Cause I, I mean, I remember I don't have a, an ounce of talent musically. Like I can't play guitar. I, I you know, I could barely play the recorder back in uh, grade school, right? Um, but I never thought about, you know, the business side of music. And I wish that I did because as you know, I love music. Like this is my way of kind of being involved in music. Um I remember when I was like I was at high school. Or maybe it was like early college. I wanted to be, no, it was probably high school. I was like, I want to be an A&R coordinator. Mm -hmm. And I thought that would be super sweet, right? Like find new talent, all that kind of stuff. But I was like, there's no way that I'm moving to like New York City or shit like that. There's yeah. just like, I'm just, I'm not that type of person. I, I what well, I wasn't, you know, when I was uh, in high school, like, I don't know what it was about, you know, me and my personality I just wasn't very shy. Um I liked being home. I liked I liked this area. I, I mm -hmm. loved my parents I had a great upbringing. I'd, and it was never like leaving was never um, really a thought in my mind. And that's like I look back now and it's like, is that good or bad? I don't know. I mean, well, it's pretty good. So I can't complain. But, you know, you, you, you turn 40 like I am. And it's like, what if? Like, what if I had done that? What would I have made it? Like, what, what, what would have happened? Obviously, I probably wouldn't have never met, met my wife and. Yeah, you know, that's exactly. Like, think about that shit. Like, it's like, yeah, I have two kids and maybe if I didn't meet my wife, I wouldn't have them. It's just like, it's it's weird to think about. But I never thought about like the business side of, of music, um, especially considering that I, I felt I probably would have had to have moved. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's cool that you like, you saw this opportunity and or saw like a, a, a part of, you know, music that you can kind of jump into that wasn't, mm -hmm. you know, as competitive, um, I guess you could say is is performing yeah i mean it's definitely still competitive you know it's, sure, of course, not yes, too but... much difference but you know i mean the thing is too and i'll you know i'll say this i think our generation where we're at we, we kind of got screwed in a way and i always say that because we came up in this you know like when it's i limbo. started in it yeah i mean it was you know the internet started yeah. being big and like while we were almost graduating high school you know we didn't have cell phones until we got out of high school yeah um and um, i mean i hate the ages but that, that's the truth of the matter you know and so and then suddenly everything just flipped you know yeah. when we were going it was you got to go to college it's the only way you're gonna you're gonna make any money and now there was no youtube stars Right. You couldn't you couldn't even do a podcast like this. This right. didn't exist. So yeah. I mean it's so weird the timing of things and how we're kind of we we have one foot in both camps of like this old school world and you know yeah. now we're adapting and thankfully we're young enough to learn this kind of stuff and, and hop onto it really quick, but we weren't born with cell phones in our hands and on TikTok for sure. I'm so, so glad. Yeah, I mean it, it's it's one of those things where, you know, even when I started it was hey, you better go to New York, Nashville or LA. Yeah, and now with the advent of the internet, I mean, you could be anywhere and do anything pretty much. You know, right. even NEPA and even Southern PA. I mean, when I was graduating high school, I couldn't find anybody who knew how to play a drum set. 
<laughs> and then three years later, you find out there's August Burns Red, there's Motionless and White, Breaking Ben. You know, it's like suddenly all this talent popped up. And I'm like, well, where was this when I was there, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. And then, well, I'm so glad you said that because I, I always like, I don't ever want to say like this. And, you know, it kind of sounds like I'm like complaining or like I'm like pouting about it. But like we we were, like you say, like this kind of, I feel like we're like in this holding pattern where mm-hmm. you know, we were kind of like, you know, this internet is new and it's like, is this going to be like a forever thing? Like, do I go all in? Like, do I like play a safe, like and get a job? Like, uh, you know, that's not centered around the, you know, the internet. Like it was just like, this weird place. Yeah. And it's like, it could, it could go this way or it can go this way. And obviously we, we know where things went and, you know, the internet is uh, a massive part of our lives now, but yeah, I felt like it was our generation was just like in this middle, like kind of like, in uh purgatory almost like absolutely yeah i don't know yeah but here we are here we are over the internet (laughs) exactly but uh so yeah so you decided to to go the business business route um talk about the steps that you took took there uh most a lot of studying at first obviously going to law school was you know, not a not a fun time in a sense because it was it's those years are all a blur to me. I probably couldn't tell you most of what happened in the world at the time. And people are like, "Oh, don't you remember that?" I'm like, "No, I was studying the whole time." So um, yeah, a lot of time, a lot of dedication to that, and then you know, a lot of extra learning outside because obviously when you're in law school, you're learning all kinds of law, not just one particular thing. So after that, you know, you have to sit and study the copyright law issues. If you know how a recording deal works, what a record contract looks like, what a publishing contract does, how, you know, all those kind of things. So a lot of study of that. And then a lot of networking, you know, a lot of getting out there, a lot of meeting people. I mean, as with any business, when you start, you know, especially in in a service industry where you're looking for clients. So it was just a lot of, a lot of shaking hands, a lot of meeting people, you know, a lot of, a lot of studying still, a lot of keeping up to this day on what's going on, checking trade magazines every day, what's going on on billboard, um yeah just basically things like that and continuing to meet people every day and help grow the businesses it sounds overwhelming it definitely can be for sure i mean there's there's no doubt there are some 18 hour days involved in it you know between running everything and operations and uh, yeah things that just pop up there's you know there's fires that pop up on a daily basis that you have to put out so yeah it, it can be for sure well there's just so much that i don't think a normal person like me would even think about whether it's, mm-hmm. you know, music law or, you know, any other kind of law in general. It's just like, that's like, thank God there's people like you out there because like, there's just so much that, I mean, the books that I imagine that you read were, you know, massive. Right. And I was like, mm-hmm. Nope, not, not for me. I'm not doing that. Like, forget it. <laughs> but it, it just, it seems, it seems wild. Yeah, it is definitely some wild days for sure. But, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, I always say you work in music. I mean, it it can't get any better than that. So you finished law school and you you went, was it, you said you talked, you know, learned a lot of different law, but I mean, Mm -hmm. why, I mean, I guess music law was, you know, uh, appealing because of music, right? So talk Mm -hmm. about, you know, I, I never even knew that that kind of, well, yeah, I never knew because I just never thought about it. You know, why would I? I'm not a musician. I don't need to be protected. I don't need to worry about recording deals and, you know, all that kind of contract shit. 
Um, but you don't have to worry about podcasting law. That's a big new, uh, new I want to talk about that. Law. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like, you know, we, you, you, we'll talk about that, I'm sure. But just protecting what you create. And, mm-hmm. you know, you always hear bands that, you know, break up and, you know, um, you know, payouts and royalties and, you know, writing credit versus, you know, I guess performing. I, I don't even know that the whole. It's my lingo. daily life. But, <laughs> but yeah. So, like, uh, you finished, you graduated, right? Mm-hmm. And then did you open your own firm or? Yes. Yeah. Yep. That's what I did. I had a couple of internships. Uh, I worked in bankruptcy law, real estate law, and then said, you know, I'm just going to open my own firm. And here we are. And is it, what's it called? William J. Metzger Law, PLLC. Right. Easy enough. Yep. I still want to call you Bill, though. I know, I know you use Bill. <laughs> That's yep. Most people back there do. <laughs> Bill Metzger. That's right. But I mean, I mean, talk about music law and being a music attorney. Like, obviously, you have clients that you represent. Mm-hmm. Now, are you like on a retainer, like a normal lawyer would be? I think, or whatever that might be. Or talk about how that all works and and what what value um, you provide and like why it's important. So uh, as far as fees, I mean, that's situational. You could do an hourly rate depending upon you know what, what the issue is. Uh, contracts sometimes can be on a flat rate or a percentage fee depending upon if there's an advance in the contract or some kind of payment. Um, so that just varies depending upon the situation. Uh, you know, plus there's also fees if you're doing things like forming corporations or LLCs that you have to pay the government of the state. Of course, you can never get around that kind of thing. So, uh, yeah. But as People far try. as you know, that, uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> they uh, jail. Yep. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, what a music attorney does is it basically helps an artist or an executive, a label. I have clients that are also record labels as well. Um, you help them mostly in the end protect their intellectual property. So either that's, you know, copyrights of songs, whether that be a master recording or, um, the performance side of it, which is considered publishing, uh, you're always on the lookout for, you know, I help a lot of artists when they don't get paid royalties or you know, they haven't heard from whoever's supposed to be paying royalties for them. I do a lot of you know, business formation to protect an artist's assets in that way. That way, you know, if, if the situation occurs where uh, they might get sued or something like that and all is well and they have their corporation or LLC set up correctly, uh, the person who's suing them won't be able to take their house from them, only what's in their corporation as far as how much money and assets are within that. Um, and yeah, just basically anything that happens on the transactional side of law. So any kind of contracts, uh, performance agreements um, with you know, theme parks I've had where you know, a theme park wants a band to play. And so there, there's a contract for that. Um, like I said, publishing deals. I, I do speaking as well. Uh, I've spoken at ECMC before. I just spoke at Launch Music Conference in Lancaster this year. Um, so it's a lot of kind of education, if you will, uh, as well, so that people can help understand, you know, what music is. Because a lot of musicians, they, I had no clue about this until you know I got into the to Musicians Institute. Like I said. To me, it was all just playing and fun, and I wanted to be the best guitar player there was. But you know, I didn't understand this whole other side of the world, and you know, a lot of musicians don't. And sometimes, you know, I think every musician should have a good understanding of it. But in the end, that's not really their job either. You know, they're supposed right. to create the music, and then 
they have a team surrounding them and hopefully they have a good team surrounding them that that handles this for them with you know their manager kind of do day-to-day tasks with them uh, a lawyer an entertainment lawyer specifically um, to look over all the contracts and any kind of issues with that their publicists to get their names out there and into magazines um, so yeah, I mean, that's, that's kind of it. And the one thing I will say is that if a musician's looking for a lawyer, uh, don't hire a slip and fall attorney or, you know, an accident attorney, because like I said, we, we all study law in general, but then we kind of specialize, if you will, into what you know areas we want to practice. So I would never take a slip and fall case because that's not my area of law. Don't have them because they don't understand what the contracts look like in music or how they actually operate in the real world. Um, so yeah, if you, if you need an attorney, get you know an entertainment attorney or music attorney, one who's well versed in the industry. Do you think bands like like in the eighties and, and and stuff like that? Do you think they got taken advantage of to a degree because a they didn't have representation, or um, do you just think that they didn't know? enough about it so they had people kind of like guiding them in the right direction but it was the wrong direction is that is that accurate or am i just kind of making that up based on um so i would say like if you go back that far to the 80s there was you know a lot of gatekeepers that don't exist today so um yeah, if you wanted to be a star in the 80s, you basically had to get the attention of a major label a and r because that's really all that kind of existed in a sense and you know they would kind of they would put out your cd in the store make a million cds put them in stores like like gallery of sound and they'd sell and you'd be a star and you'd go on tour and life is good um yeah at that time when you're at that level you obviously need to have an attorney and i think a lot of them did there's you know there's legends out there don passman um there's a couple others too you know, who were around in the 80s at that time to help artists with that. And I think most of them, when you're signing to that big of a deal, they should have been smart enough to have an attorney look at it to make sure that the deal was good and they weren't getting taken advantage of. Yeah, whether they did or not, and that all comes out later on Behind the Music on VH1, I guess, in the 90s. Yeah, I just feel like maybe like they had management that said, yeah, 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 we, it's taken care of, don't worry about it. And, and you know, all the while they're like skimming off the top or you know, the money is disappearing or, and that's, you know, you see some musicians that were huge or that are now, mm-hmm. you know, playing uh, rooms that are, you know, smaller, just trying to try make some extra oh, money, yeah. you know? Yeah. You know, I musicians just, are much smarter today, obviously with, yeah. with, you know, the education that's out there on YouTube and everything like that. So I think more musicians kind of understand. And of course we have the history of them seeing what had happened in the past. So you know, in the 80s, obviously, if someone comes to you with a record deal, and back then they were for millions, honestly, because CDs sold a lot more than, you know, streaming royalties do and streaming rates, um, you know, you jump at the chance, basically. And today, uh, with, you know, the way things are, I think musicians are a little more hesitant and they say, okay, that's cool. I appreciate it. I'd like to do this. Let's just take a step real quick and make sure everything's good. All, you know, all the T's are crossed and the I's are dotted before we do this. So, and I think that's a good thing. Yeah. I feel like a lot of musicians uh, this day and age are very, it's, it's so much more of a business, which kind of sucks to a degree, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, you, you think about rock stars back in the day, like, you know, like you said before, like they were just, you know, they were there to play, They you know, they, mm-hmm. they performed and they wrote music. And, you know, I think we got a lot of great music, uh in the 70s and, and things like that because of drugs yep. 
<laughs> and now you it's know? like you know that that typical like rock star like party guy or girl or whatever like that's very non-existent and that's for probably a few reasons you know you can get arrested for doing drugs you what you want to take things seriously the list is a mile long right you know there's there's cell phones with cameras on them like you can't like that's that's the big thing yeah you're <laughs> gonna get busted today you yeah. know it was cool in the 70s to throw a tv out of a hotel window but you yeah. do that today and everybody had it on film and it's what gonna sucks? be viral on facebook and you know nobody wants to work with with jerks today you know because we've seen the history like i said we're you know 40 50 years later from that so you know you have to definitely uh you have to definitely behave more today in this society than you had than you could get away with back then. But the music's not as good. I want I want I want more drugs. You want more drugs in the yeah, music? Not for me. I would, yeah, for in the music, yeah. I want I want people to unlock that that part of their brain that otherwise wouldn't have been because we're on drugs. Think I mean, it. there's there's still great music out there. The problem is sure. is that it's harder to find. You know what? I think in 2019, the statistic was there were 60,000 songs uploaded to Spotify a day. A day. Uh, yeah. And then I wow. recently had a meeting with uh, my distribution partner, and it's now 120,000 songs a day. A day. So everybody's fighting to get through that. And I'll tell you honestly, not everybody you know deserves to be on on those uh, you know uploading those songs. I mean, their music is just horrible, and there there's no there's no barrier to entry anymore, so anyone right. can do it. So that's what makes it hard to find the good music, and you know, hopefully, with things like good record labels and good uh, good representation, it helps that kind of music to stand out and rise above you know all the stuff that's out there, and hopefully, more people get to hear it, and that takes off as opposed to just being lost in the clutter of one hundred twenty thousand songs a day. That's an insane number. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm glad you brought that up because I, I would say it a lot. Like that's why one thing I like about radio to a degree. Uh, as much as it has um, fallen off, so to speak, over the years, what I like about radio, especially like maybe like a local radio station, um, and what I was doing at one point with the local music scene, um, people have to hear it, right? I mean, obviously, like there's their song that they have to play, you know, mm -hmm. there's the, the, the Taylor Swift's and all that kind of shit they have to play. But like, I feel like it's still stuff that has made it through some kind of, um, you know, system where it's good. It's, um, you know, it's, it has all the right, you know, timing and the beats and all that kind of mm -hmm. stuff. It, so at least when you're listening to radio, it's like, okay, well, this is appealing to the masses. So it's, it's probably good. But like, you're telling yes. me that there's 120,000 songs uploaded daily. And the, how much of that is garbage? 99% probably? Pretty much. Yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah. I always make a joke about this. Like, I mean, like any idiot like me can start a podcast. And at one point there was, I forget how many million, uh, there's millions of podcasts were, uh, you know, on Spotify, uploaded to Spotify. Now there's also a number mm -hmm. that like, you know, a small number that has made it past 10 episodes. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm happy to say that I've made it past 10 awesome this will be 153 <laughs> awesome but <laughs> it doesn't make my podcast good but it's like it's yeah it's it's and it's like anything else like the, the internet offers there's there's no like everyone has a voice everyone has a, an opinion that that can be shared which i mean i guess is good but i always feel like the the idiots speak the loudest sometimes this is true so it's like 
don't know. It's, it's like the wild west, this, this internet. And, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know how, I don't know how much it's different now with the streaming services compared to, you know, prior to, and I don't know how much you were involved with, you know, both sides of that. But I mean, what do you see? Is there one that's better than the other or there's just different obstacles? As far as streaming services and their yeah, as far as you... all that stuff, like you know, prior to streaming, there was you know record labels and you know people stand outside record labels trying to get their music heard and all that kind of mm-hmm. shit. Now it's you know the wild west and you know TikTok has made people famous. And I want to talk to you about um, Oliver Anthony and his wild success. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It just it seems. Maybe it's a little similar, but maybe it's just wildly different. I'm not sure. Yeah, I mean, with all that, as far as streaming services, you know, uh, Apple pays higher than Spotify. Title, I believe, pays the most, but you know, the fewest people honestly are on Title. Um, so, right. unfortunately, all of them are still fractions of a penny. YouTube is one of the worst payouts that you can have. Um, you know, for all the music videos and for the the cost of a music video production and the time you have to put into that and everything, you know, the streaming revenue for it is actually horrible. Uh, yeah. But you know, I mean, that's, that's the world that we're in. Everything has content has fractured into so many different divisions. You know, like we saw, if you talk about the eighties or the nineties, I mean, all you had to do was if you got in and accepted by a record label and signed to a record label, they would take some press photos of you. They would, you know, send you into a studio, make your album. They would, you know, make a million, two million copies of that album, get it out to stores. The stores were, you know, the, the only place you could get music. Mm-hmm. So whatever they had in that store is what you were, you know, subjected to and going to buy. So that's how you can easily make a star because you just shrink the pool down to what you have to choose from. And of course they'd hit radio and radio plays, you know, the same 10 songs over and over again. And it was much easier. And then so you take some press photos and you go out on tour and boom, you're a star. Today, I mean, a musician has to work harder than ever, in my opinion, because you have to be on every social media account. You have to be being funny on TikTok. You have to be, you know, posting on Facebook with links to your music. You have to be, you know, uh, hopefully getting some ad time on Spotify and getting your Instagram going. And not then one day we're sitting around and suddenly threads pops up. And so now <laughs> people are jumping over to threads and you're trying to keep up with that. Yeah. I mean, you just have to be everywhere at once and that's what really makes it hard for a musician. So uh, best advice is, is what it takes is work ethic. Now, you know, obviously talent has to be there. Yeah. I mean, that songs is, will always be, you know, at least for me, where everything starts from. If you have a crap song, I don't care what else you do. You know, you could be as popular as you want to be, but everybody knows the song's crap. So you'll get famous for being talked about in a way you probably don't want to be. Right. But, you know, if you have that talent and you have those songs, it's it's the work ethic of everything else that you have to do to stay competitive in this world where you're competing with 120,000 other people per day. And all those things typically a uh, a band member is doing a lot of now mm-hmm. yep. you know back in the day the musician wrote the songs and performed the songs now the musicians are the ones who are uh editing videos and, and doing photoshop yep. for you know um you know flyers and and all that stuff like it's you know doing the social media um i can't imagine like it's just a lot of work it's, it's a ton of work i mean it's 
it's a full-time job in itself for sure. You know, and, and no matter what you do, you can't replace the band member, you know, no, I mean, I could be a great photographer, but unless the band's in front of me to take a picture, you know, it, it's not gonna, it's not gonna work. So the band has to do the work itself. You know, you can't make content that isn't the band, if you will. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I always say it's, it's, it's gotta be, and you said before, I think it just, it's so hard to kind of stand out. Um, mm-hmm. And do you have any recommendations for bands who, um, Maybe they're not, they've been at it for three years. Maybe they've been, you know, just starting. Like, do you have any advice where people can like stand out or, or be heard? Yeah, the best thing to do is take yourself very seriously. Like I said, you know, make it have have a business mindset when you go into this. You can't, unfortunately, just be a musician today. You know, you can't you know, make your songs and record them and be like, okay, cool, we're good. You know, nobody's going to hear you. Nobody's going to listen to you. So you have to be out there. You know, you have to be out there meeting people. Uh, you have to be out there on your social medias. You just have to keep pushing. You have to gain fans, gain organic fans. You know, as people come to your shows, be nice to people. That's a big thing. You know, you can't act like a jerk these days. So don't, you know, don't treat fans thinking you're some kind of great rock star and everything like that. Really appreciate everyone who comes and supports you or buys your merch or you know, streams your song or, or says a nice comment on, on one of the social medias, you know, that's the best way to do it. Cause if you can gain an organic fan base that, you know, you can go anywhere with that is basically the idea. So yeah, that, I mean, that's what I would say is just, it's, it's a lot of hard work. It's a lot of keeping up with everything. You know, if something new pops up, you'd be on it, you know, keep up with it and, and just keep going and keep trying and keep pushing and uh, make sure you have, good representation, whether that be, like I said, good management, good attorney, obviously good pub, uh, publicists. And, you know, that can also help you get ahead as well, because, you know, if your stuff is good and, you know, it comes across my desk you know, I have contacts that maybe I could hook you up with as well, you know, in the industry, whether depending upon what you need, do you need a publicist? Do you need a manager? Are you looking for a record label, et cetera? So, um, you know, just try your best to get noticed and be a good person. Yeah, that that's probably the best thing because people want to work with people they like. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants to work with a jerk. Right. I see it every day on on social media. We're always trying to, you know, this this promoter did this and he screwed all these people over and everything like that. And it's just always a big fight back and forth. So you know, just be be a good business person. Uh, handle your business well. You know, take care of things. Pay the people you're supposed to pay. Thank the people that should be thanked, and I think that's a great way to start standing out among everyone else. Okay, and let's say I'm a band. Like when, when is it a good time to contact someone like you? Like when is that necessary? Like day so one. I, like when does that happen? I wouldn't say day one. I would say when you guys decide to become serious. So meaning that. You know, you have four people, four or five people in your band, and you've been playing for a while, and you know that these are the four or five people you want to do things with. You're not going to trade out members every two weeks, or, you know, we really don't like the bass player, so we're looking for another one. Um, you know, once you kind of get that core group of people together that you're, you really want to go forward with, then you kind of have to decide, what do you want to do with your career? Do you want to just kind of, you know, be local and, and, and play local spots? Do you want to be a national touring and recording act? Do you want to be an international star? Um, you know, get your goals together in that kind of sense and make sure everyone in the band is in agreement. 
sometimes you can't do that. You know, people have family obligations, especially as you get older, where, you know, somebody who's in Northeast Pennsylvania can't go touring the West Coast during March. You know, so right. you, you have to just kind of figure out where you are first. That's that's a good thing. Set, set your goals, have a lot of clarity on what your goals are all the Tony Robbins stuff that you would hear about that. Um, and then, you know, once you have that down, you can contact me and a good thing to do would be create, you know, a corporation or an LLC to protect your assets as well. Uh, we could do a band agreement so that everybody's on the same page and understands what their responsibilities are going to be within the band. How are you going to split profits and losses? Uh, you know, w certain situations that happen, unfortunately, if somebody has to go to rehab or something, which unfortunately does happen, but you know, this way you're, you're kind of better prepared going in and everyone knows their individual responsibilities to the band. And then from there, you know, it's just about, you know, building and I work with a lot of bands on where do you want to go? What do you want to do? Um, you know, kind of on the consultation side, if you will, I have what's called strategy sessions with bands and they can talk about, you know, here's what we want to do. Okay, then here's the best way I think we should proceed. And here's who I'm going to contact to help you guys out. Um, but yeah, once you guys, once a band is serious about, you know, who they want to be, they have a brand together, they know that, you know, they're a, I don't know, a hard rock band, and they're not gonna think that they're hard rock, but then they think that they might be pop punk, and then they're going to do some rap songs, you know, they have a good brand going, they look the part. Um, yeah, and they know what they want to do next. I think that's the point when you should start contacting other people to start joining your team. That's cool. That's a lot of good information there. Um, as far as you as a music attorney, um, do you seek out musicians? Or is it a lot of organic uh, people that come to you? How, how does that work? If it is word to uh, word of mouth these days, yeah. which is really good, you know, I get clients who recommend me to other clients, um, which is awesome. I think that's one of the greatest ways that it can happen. Um, you know, and like I said, it's just a lot of going out and meeting people, meeting people when they don't need me or, you know, or just like, okay, that's cool. Yeah. You're a music attorney. That's great. And then two, three years later, they call me, Hey, now I got this opportunity. Now I need help. So, you know, a lot of it's just, you know, garnering network relationships and, yeah seeing how they they grow as time goes on i imagine it's not a very hard sell uh, so depending upon the time i mean you know if someone comes to you and there's a pressing issue like hey i have this contract obviously yeah you know it, it's pretty easy but like i said in the beginning where you're talking to someone and they don't really have anything going on you know what you have to do is you have to get them to remember you right. so that when they do have something oh yeah who's that guy i met at that show blah 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 let yeah. me give him a call, and that's that's how it happens. And they could have met five along the way in between that, yeah. that time. So, yeah, I get yeah. it. Yeah. Top of mind is the marketing department would teach you. <laughs> do you do any kind of like social media marketing, or are you just kind of – uh... I have all my pages. Uh, I'm at William J. Metzger, mostly on Facebook and uh, Instagram. And then I do have a, a law page on Facebook, William J. Metzger Law, PLLC. So, yeah, and yeah, I post uh, some things about there every once in a while, kind of about what's going on in the industry, just good topics, copyright cases, things like that. I feel like today, too, things move so quickly. Um, mm -hmm. it, are you constantly having to, you know, read articles and, and just 
keep yourself very educated on the ever-changing landscape because you know you mentioned earlier um there's all the social media and then threads pops up and like mm-hmm. there's all these things like it, the world moves so fast how do you really kind of keep it all together <laughs> well we as lawyers every lawyer no matter you know but what law what law you practice has to do continuing legal education credits every year so we do have to always go to classes to learn so i'm always attending um the texas entertainment institute they have a two-day seminar every year down in Austin that I go to. And they they do a great job of discussing, you know, recent case topics and what happened this year in music. So that's always good. Um, but other than that, a lot of it's, you know, keeping up with what I do see on social media, things that are happening, you know, Billboard Magazine, uh, Music Business Worldwide, websites like that, the, basically the trade magazines of the day today, um, always seeing what's happening and what's going on. And then if new cases come out, you can go and Usually they have a scribbed article attached to it with the actual case, so you can read it and learn from that. And so there's, there's a lot of that that happens on a daily basis. And you have to set aside, set aside time every day to, to go over that, basically. And that's one of the first things I do in the morning is look at that and see where the day goes from there. Yeah. Now, did you ever foresee all this kind of happening, you know, with the streaming services, Spotify, Apple, you know, the you know, four or five others. I mean, when we were in high school, we had Napster and LimeWire, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that eventually got shut down. Did you like foresee this happening? Like, or was it like kind of like, oh shit, this is this is wild, and this is like a new area that I can kind of, you know, help guide people through. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the the whole streaming thing and the the, the fracturing of of content, if you will, happened while I was in law school. Okay. So it was something that, you know, it was emerging at the time to pay attention to. And then I started thinking, hey, there's a lot of opportunity now, you know, as I've always wanted to either, like I said, work at a record label or own a record label. So in law school, that's really where that kind of came about. And I thought, wow, well, look, now, now there's opportunity to do that, you know, without having to have $2 million to make a bunch of CDs for someone and everything like that. There's ways that you can, you know, get music out there without you know, having the big three record labels stand in your way. So, um, you know, I didn't foresee it because I didn't think about it you know, early on. But, you know, as it started emerging, thankfully, I was there right at the beginning to kind of learn how everything was going to work and start foreseeing, you know, how things will start fracturing and be everywhere all the time. And, you know, Facebook and Instagram and everything like that on social media. So, um, yeah, I was very lucky to kind of catch that at a good time, I think, as well. Are you for or against the streaming services outside? Like, forget the how much money they pay. Like, are you? Mm-hmm. I mean, I always say I I I bought CDs forever. Like, I held out mm-hmm. so long. I was constantly in gallery sound. Um, I think it was. I think I called it quits on buying CDs. I want to say maybe 2018. I was literally spending probably $200 a month just on mm-hmm. CDs. I would walk into yep. the, the the record store at Joe Nardone's Gallery of Sound, um, sometimes with a purpose. Like, I want to get this. And sometimes I would just walk in because it was like therapeutic to a degree. I, I, I liked, you know, flipping through the CDs and maybe picking up a UCD because it was cheaper and, and mm-hmm. based on the artwork, the cover of the art, um, and just kind of being surprised with whatever the, the pick was. Um, but I fought it for so long 
And but I would I would go home, <clears throat> I would yeah, take it home, I would put it on my computer, and I would transfer it to my iPod because I would have mm-hmm. it, you know, at yep. least on that. But then like I had a kid in 2017, you know, spending 200 bucks a month, not financially responsible. And, you know, then I you know, I could buy I could get Spotify for 10 bucks a month. And I have every song that I could ever imagine, songs I'll never ever get to in my entire life. Yep. my fingertips so what do you think about that i mean there's gotta be pros and cons right but like as someone who knows both you know, cds versus streaming like what do you what do you think it's interesting like i said before our generation we have a foot in both camps you know growing up i mean i could still remember the day that i went to uh gallery of sound when it was in the back mountain still Mm-hmm. And, you know, picked up the new Dream Theater album when albums came out on Tuesdays, not Fridays right. back in the day, you know, and just just maybe because I was in high school and I was young and everything, but just the excitement of that. Yeah. You know, I love that. And taking the CD home and listening to an album all the way through, especially like a progressive metal album like Dream Theater. Um, so from a personal standpoint and from a musician, you know, I love CDs. Um, I, I went with CDs as long as I could until I got a car that didn't have a CD player. And then that's kind, of, that's kind of where it had to end for me, honestly. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, the CD is great because you know, I I learned so much just sitting there. I was the I was the nerdy guy who'd sit and read all the liner notes and be like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, that they thanked this guy and yeah. this guy was the you know he was the attorney on this and this is the record label and this is the president of that record label and you know what is this little you know when I was younger what's the little copyright symbol mean next to this and you know so I, I learned a lot from that. I still have thousands of cds that i still keep around just because you know um but then at the same time you know the convenience of the streaming is incredible the fact that i could go into my car and put on whatever song i want when i'm you know driving around is is just awesome or especially from the business side if i need to reference something really quick instead of having to dig through a ton of cds i can just be like hey you know let me pull it up real quick and hear it um so yeah, I mean, there's definitely pros and cons to both CDs. Obviously, made a lot more money for everyone, artist, label, everybody included. Um, so you know, now with the streaming, it's it's much harder to make the same amounts of money, and that's why we've seen advances go from millions to you know thousands, hundreds, depending upon the band. Um, you know, so I love the CD personally, just because I grew up with that. But you know, the streaming is is a good thing, I think for the world we live in today i do sure. wish the payouts were higher um there there are companies that are working to kind of get that happening um so i'm really happy about that and being able to join them as a record label owner is a really cool thing because they actually go and fight for more streaming payouts for you um but yeah i mean yeah i i love the cd but now what's great is that we can go and buy the vinyls of things you know that's a huge is thing it great, i started though? getting into come on <laughs> Some of, you know, the thing I'll say about it is that a lot of the music was not meant for vinyl. You know, these these new heavy metal metalcore albums just weren't meant to be played on vinyl, if you ask me. Um, they master them sometimes for vinyl if they're cool and it sounds really good. But, you know, I go back and collect the classics. If I can find an original Simon and Garfunkel on vinyl, sure. you know, I'm all about it now. So, I mean, you know, it is what it is. And. The nice thing about either CDs or vinyls is at least at a show you can get them signed. You can't sign an MP3. That's true. That's true. 
but it's like how many bands now? I mean, because vinyl is very expensive, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and very backed up. Very three backed years, up. you know, to yeah. to get your your album pressed now. And by that time, they'll be they'll be gone again. Mm-hmm. CDs yep. will come back. By then. Exactly. Yeah, we're we're seeing it. Cassettes are starting to make their way back now. With some that merch. makes no sense. That that, nope. that makes no sense. But I mean, I but the, the true limitation is you know, and if you actually look way back to the history of things, the people who made the music back in like you know 1910 and all that were the companies who made the players, the Victrola for you know for them. So what we're limited to is what we have as far as playing like i said once car- cd players are gone from cars that forces you into streaming yeah so you know i mean if you're going to bring cassettes back somebody's going to have to bring cassette players back too right and that doesn't sound smart <laughs> but maybe it is i don't know i don't know maybe you know these it's features- nostalgia i know which is sweet i love it man like i really do i, I you know there's nothing better than because like you said like i lo- i loved opening CDs and, and, and pulling out the, the insert and reading the lyrics and yep. um, just, it was just, and listening to it from front to back. And I say that all the time in this, this show, it's like they were recorded to be listened to from, you know, one through 10. Yes. Um, and now it's everything is everything singles, but like it's a singles world, but it's so cool too, because like back in the day you had, to, I mean, we waited 13 years for a new tool album, which I think, mm-hmm. which I think if my Facebook memories served me correctly, Sure. Not this. Um, uh, maybe four or five years ago, um, Tool released their first album in 13 years. So like, you waited mm-hmm. 13 years to hear a new album from you know your favorite band. Typically, it was two years, right? Which mm-hmm. is insane if you really think about how insane that yep. is. Two years to hear from you. Yeah, so in 2019, August 30th, 2019, I, I posted on social media. I waited 13 years for this. It was the new the new two album. So that was five, four years ago. Jesus Christ! But see, there's there's something to be said in that for a band that can create fans that will wait 13 years for that. Because I sure. think today, if you try to, you're long forgotten. Everybody's on to something new. Yeah, you know. So that that's a testament in itself to you know a band that could create true fans. Right. But I always thought like two years was like not looking back on it, two years is just forever, right? Because now it's we get a new single every six, eight weeks, which is sweet yeah. because I get I feel like I'm getting more from my favorite musicians, right? Which is cool. But like I can tell you almost like to the year, sometimes to the month, sometimes to the week. And there are certain CDs, if I've bought them, I can get almost as close as the day of the year that came out. Because, oh yeah, that experience, you know, going to Gallery yeah. Sound on Tuesday. Like I said, not- yeah, that that Dream Theater album came out October 26, nineteen ninety nine. I there left the high school parking lot, went right down and bought it. And I remember going down to pick it up, gas in Trucksville, and driving home and uh, yeah, listening to it all night. And you won't get that again. Nope. You know? Nope. Now Friday morning, all my pre saves just automatically load when they release and. That's it. You don't even yeah. have to leave the house or anything. Yeah. I don't know, man. It goes to all kinds of streaming movies. Like, I mean, I, I, I said yeah. this a million times too. It's like, I miss going to the video store mm-hmm. and renting a movie from the video store with your girlfriend and get a pizza and take it home and get five minutes into it. And the movie sucks, but you watch it because that's all you have. Now, yep. I spend an hour 
trying to find something for us to watch. And that, yeah, it's fr- I'm more frustrated after the hour of trying to find yeah. something that I could have been through an entire movie. And then you finally find it, five minutes in, it sucks. It's like, oh, this is yeah. terrible. Let's find something. Exactly. But you see, and you do that because you you know you you know you have choices. If right. it was a movie that you just paid five dollars or whatever to rent, you'd sit and watch the whole thing. Yeah. But I mean, funny enough, we had a place here called Family Video that was actually open until 2019. It was basically like a knockoff blockbuster, and it was so awesome to go in there and just rent movies just because. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, outside of um, music law, you also started your own record label correct why when <laughs> how um yeah i mean that's another uh, area of your your business and in your life uh wh- how did that all happen well during law school um like i said you know i saw things starting to fracture and i saw in the rise of kind of independent labels and their ability to do things and help musicians so you know to me it's it's another area I can help musicians in, which is what I love to do. You know, help get their music heard, help get their help them to rise above the, you know, all those songs that are uploaded every day. So yeah, I started the label in 2021. Um, you know, I'm very, very blessed to know people who I was able to get great distribution through and then uh work to get my own deals with our our dis- distributor Fuga, which is out of Amsterdam right now. Um and yeah, so I started it. Uh, it's called Affiant Records, and Affiant is actually a legal term, which means one who swears uh, to the truth of the statement that they make in an affidavit. So my tagline to the label is the truth in music. Hmm. And my goal with it is to bring you know, the best rock music around that I can to the world. Um, so things I do that, you know, things I've seen happen as on the lawyer side with record labels, I kind of tend to remedy with my own label so a lot of that is communication with my artists um yeah i'm not speaking bad about any record labels but i've had clients call and tell me well, i haven't heard from my label in a year or two I'm like well that's horrible you know i mean you can't have a good relationship doing that so yeah i'm either on the phone or on chats with with my with my um with my bands on a daily basis i mean it's either calling the uk i was on the phone with the uk yesterday i'll be on the phone with canada tomorrow uh, I, I take the musician side very, very serious to it. Um, I've, I will actually do live practices with bands, you know, just to see what their live shows like before we send them out and help them in any way I can from all the musical knowledge and experience that I have. And um, yeah, I mean, that's, you know, it, it's a great way to take music that I find that I truly believe in and I, I help uh, get out to the world in a way that, you know, a lot of musicians don't have that support to them. So, yeah. That's that's kind of where we're at, and we're growing every day, and adding bands, and and it's fun. It's very uh, stressful at times. Like I said, it adds a lot of hours to the day trying to keep up with everything. But um, you know, it's great. I've met a lot of great people doing it, and I have meetings every day with with different people in the industry. It's it's grown. It helps grow my law practice, I think, as well. Um, and it's, it's helped me, honestly, as a lawyer, because now I understand the operation side of a label from actually being in it, as opposed to just looking at a contract and seeing the words on the paper. Right. And it helps me, you know, I mean, lawyers who kind of don't understand that may be a little bit of a disadvantage because all they see is the word on, the, on, you know, in the contract or the phrase or the clause. 
And, you know, you think, oh, that's terrible, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, if you look at it now from the label side and I go, oh, yeah, they're doing that because they're trying to protect themselves from when, you know, the band just goes completely ghost on them and then they can't put out an album and everything. So it really helps you understand seeing both sides of it. Um, You know, it helps me as far as an attorney. And like I said, I get to put out great music and work with great bands and, you know, help grow them and, and help the world. Now, do you ever jump in? and play some guitar for these bands? Uh, I don't on their recordings, but I will kind of help shape some solos if they need some help with some things or make some suggestions. And, you know, I'll jump in, I'll grab the guitar and say, yeah, try this and, you know, do that. So, yeah. I like this fucking suit. Get out of here. (laughs) That's, yeah. See, (laughs) I walk a fine line between the two and that's what's kind of hard sometimes because, you know, it's like, I don't want them to have to see me as a suit, but at the same time, I know that, you know, in a sense I am. And to certain people, I do need to be a suit because that's how the business side of things gets done. You know, you get taken a little more serious when you're a suit sometimes than, than not. That's, that's true. That's very true. Do you wear a tie too? No. (laughs) I had a boss once and uh, his, his like in his mindset, this was, pre-pandemic but this is like probably like 2019 maybe he he felt that if you weren't wearing a tie now keep in mind i was i was working at a, a, a classic rock station and an alternative radio station and a sports radio station wearing a suit and tie every day and his his mindset was i'm not even talking shit on him if, if I, I i i burned him pretty good one day so his mindset was, if you're not wearing a tie, you're not doing work. Wow. And I remember we were in New York City. <laughs> I'll never forget this day. We were in New York City. We were visiting with some of our national account reps, all of which were in like khakis, polos, super relaxed. These are people working with McDonald's, Coca-Cola, like these big, huge national mm-hmm. brands. So we're, we walk up and it's like summertime, I was sweating suit full suit tie everything we get done meeting with them when we were walking the streets of new york city we uh pop into a little uh a little restaurant for lunch and we got a window seat and he says to me <laughs> he says no one's wearing a tie anymore and i look up at him <laughs> like i'm like i can't believe he's saying this i look up at him like i guess I'm not getting work done terry yep. <laughs> and he looked at me like you son of a bitch. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so Man, good. yeah. You know, so I mean, good. people still tend to dress up more on the East Coast, I think, especially than here. And the problem with yeah. here is it's been 103 degrees every day since June. So, you know, it's it, it's too hot for that here. Yeah. I just thought that was funny. As far as your label goes, um, I mean, how many bands do you represent? Uh, let's see. How many do we got? One, two, three, four, five, six, about seven. So uh, our latest signing is a band called Ashes Rain out of Central Virginia. They're actually going to be playing uh, the V-Spot during ECMC on Saturday no night. So, yeah, so they're going to get their, their feet wet in NEPA, which is good. Um, we had our other band, Audience of Rain. They actually played last year at ECMC, so they had a great okay. time playing the V-Spot there and got a lot of fans out of the area, which I'm definitely glad to see. Uh, we have Honey Talks, and they're a pop-punk band out of the UK. Uh, they have a release coming up on the 29th of September called There's There's Hope and Hopeless, so that's going to be a killer album. 
We also have a pop punk band called Save Our Ships, and they're out of Wales as well. Uh, they just released a deluxe version of their last album. Uh, we have Envied by Angels out of California. Uh, we have Nearly Spent out of Florida, and we have a band called Waterfront, which is a kind of a, a hard rock, nickelback, see their sound, if you will, out of Canada. So yeah, so we we got a lot of a lot of bands all over the place and doing well. How do you how do you attract new bands? Are you are you seeking them out? Are they finding you? Uh, it's both. A lot of times it's either, you know, someone either either sends in a demo to info at affiantrecords.com. Um, and I, I like it. Or a lot of times it's people I know. Sometimes it's the band manager who I know who says, hey, check out this band I'm managing. And I'm like, yeah, they're great. Let's have a talk. And then we start kind of doing the process from there. So, you know, it's it's just it's just a variety of ways. Sometimes when the Spotify algorithm works right, I'll have something pop up in my phone and I'll be like, hey, this is pretty cool. Let's Let's kind of see what this band is up to and, you know, good relationship blossoms from there. So if I had some, some artists that I was like, Hey, you know what? These, this is good stuff. I could send them your way. Just at least like, Mm -hmm. Hey, just, I would never be like, I would never tell them like, Hey, I'm going to hook you up with uh, a label. I would just say, Hey, like William, Bill, check this out. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. Is there a genre that you kind of stick to or does it not matter? So the label is, I, it's a rock label in general. So um, hard rock, metal, metalcore, and pop punk is basically, you know, where we're at. Active rock, that's kind of what we're going for. Love that pop punk. Yeah, really do. Exactly. What was that one band? Uh, Honey Socks? Honey Honey Talks. Honey Talks. Yeah. Honey Talks. I'm always, as you know, I'm always interested in listening to new bands. Yeah. But um, I mean, as far as a you know a modern day label goes, obviously things are different. You mentioned advancements before. Um, you know, let's say you want to bring a new band on. Mm-hmm. What does that kind of look like um, for that band? I mean, I'm sure there's different levels, but let's just say it's a initial, you know, first floor uh, kind of start. Sure. So, you know, if I find something I like, obviously I listen to the music. Like I said, it's got to be all about the songs. Um, you know, then, you know, I do I ch- have to check out the socials just to see that they're active and they're working. Um, and, you know, they're posting and doing what they're supposed to do. Because, you know, if, if they don't do that in, in this world, like I said, you, you can't get ahead. So you know, I need, need bands to be doing that. Then, you know, we reach out and we have our first conversation. And a lot of that is just kind of finding out about them, finding out if we're, you know, we do we like each other? Are we a good fit for each other? You don't want to ban, you know, you don't want to be working with somebody that hates you all the time. I and mean, that's, that's never a good working relationship, no matter what industry you're in. Right. Um, you know, and then a lot of it is asking them what their, what their mission is basically, you know, do they have, because for me on my label, music has to have a purpose. It can't just be noise because I want to be famous. You know, if someone comes to me and says, I don't care, I just want to be famous, my best advice is try to be a pop star and get signed to a major label because you're going to have a hard road to pay, you know, to, to how, if, you're, if that's all you want to do. So to me, it's what what is your music about? What is your mission? What is your purpose? You know, we want to affect people in a positive way in this world with music. We want to... Um, make people feel better by listening to the music and whether that's, you know, like I said, we've all heard the cases of, you know, your music saved my life. I was going to commit suicide, but then your song came on. So it's either, you know, all the way from that kind of serious level to, 
I had a bad day, you know, skateboarding. It was a bad skate session. You know, I went home and listened to pop punk and felt better, you know. So anything that can affect the world in a positive way is what I'm definitely looking for. So we have discussions about that. Um, then, you know, if we're, if we're a good fit going forward from there, we do the contractual paperwork. And uh, once that's signed, then it's that's when the work begins. That's when the onboarding process happens. And, you know, we have to get all the songs uploaded into the, our, our distributor um you know website things uh all that kind of stuff just bringing people on so we can get pre-save links and setting them up with this account and that account and introducing them to this person and that person and then you know taking a look at where we're at and deciding when do we want to release this uh what's our marketing plan for releasing this and you know it's just a ton of stuff like that so yeah it's it once a band signs on it's it's like an everyday thing basically now you don't have to give uh, any numbers, but like I, I feel like people might think, "Oh my god, like this is going to be, uh, is going to cost me a lot of money to have representation." Is that is that true? Is that like a, I mean, as far as you, the, yeah, I mean, like if I if I want if I'm a band, I want to be I want to be on your label, and you think I'm the right fit. Like, does it cost me a bunch of money? Is it something like it's a, a shared partnership? How does that? I mean, obviously you're not going to do work for free, right? Like you want to be able to right. no i i don't i don't charge to be on my label okay yeah we, we do the work and then we take the uh cut of the royalties okay yeah. so your their success is your success exactly yeah i that's mean awesome. that's why it's a it's a great you know it's a partnership of working together for everyone's success what that's is awesome. it the high tide raises all ships yeah you know? i like that that's cool yeah. And it sounds like you're very much a, a partner. That's I, I love that word partnership. Cause and that's you know, I'm still very much in sales for my full time job at Axelrad. Shout out to them. Um and uh I I use that word a lot because it's not it's not a one way street and I never want people to think that. So that's a I, I like that word a lot. It's just yeah, a partnership. It, it it can't be it can't be a one way street. I'll say legally it's not a partnership, but Besides sure. that, I mean, it, working wise, it is definitely you know a partnership of of having to be responsive to each other as far as you know messages I send about hey somebody put you on this great Spotify playlist let's make sure we thank them you know and so that way they're they're more apt to put you on a playlist the next time around so it's just you know constant little things like that. Well, if you need a, a merch partner, let me know. <laughs> I hate, we have orders from Axelrad. We love them. We have deep connections mm -hmm. to Axelrad. So, I have to give one more shout out um, while we're doing this uh, because you just came in today. Mutant Brewing Company. Yeah. Uh, it's a a new uh, endeavor for Steve Masterson. You may have uh, come across him in your your travels. Yeah, the name is familiar. You own Stage West in mm -hmm. Scranton. He owns Stage yep. West out in State College. Uh, I don't know when the guy sleeps. He's constantly doing something. He opened a pizza shop in State College, but his new endeavor, which should be open when this airs, is Mutant Brewing. It's uh, I think it's Washington Street in Scranton. Uh, sick merch he just picked up today. Thank you, Steve, for coming to us. But uh, yeah, check that out. Sorry, that's that's the great thing about Northeast PA. A lot of you know that there's there's a hardworking upbringing i think that a lot of people have to it and everyone has kind of an entrepreneurial spirit you know whether it's the little pizza shop on the corner or the bar where the owner lives above it you know there's all that going on there so i always i always appreciated that about the area yeah it's a it's a cool place 
uh, you know, it's got its pros and cons like anywhere else, yep. but, uh, well, that's, that's awesome. I mean, that's, you know, a record label because it's cool that you just kind of like did it, you know, it's, I respect that with people who just kind of go for it. Thank you. Um, a couple more things. We'll wrap things up. It's, it's, it's uh, what time, what time is it for you? Like eight 20, nine 20, nine 20. You're an hour behind. Okay. Yeah. Um, I don't want to keep you all night. I'm sorry. AI and music. I feel mm-hmm. like that's going to become a thing, and it's probably obviously on your radar, and it's something you need to be to, need to be uh, cognizant of. What is that? And what have you seen so far? So obviously, you know, AI is, is a huge thing coming around, and there's been people who have trained whatever the AI machines are to use other people's voices and then to make music out of it. Um, lots of issues with that as far as, you know, we're all concerned in the music industry. Um, you know, one of the things is a name likeness and image suit. If you steal someone's voice, you're, you're stealing their image or their name or their likeness. So you can actually sue on that, on that matter. Uh, another thing is thankfully the copyright office so far has, has put out a law that you cannot copyright AI music. You can only copyright what is made by a human being. So if you, you know, make a complete AI song and try to copyright it, it will be, uh, it will be rejected. So, you know, I mean, obviously AI is good in a sense where you can maybe, you know, get some ideas or some inspiration from, and then go, you know, record, it might write a riff for you and you, you know, change it up a little bit and give you a great idea and then go record it yourself. But, you know, as far as just putting something in a computer that, that has no value as far as I'm concerned, because there's no emotion or there's no spirit behind it. So Thankfully, you know, I think everybody in the industry is on board with understanding, you know, what it is, what they tried to do with it, and basically shutting it down as fast as we possibly could. So I'm happy about that. But, um, you know, a lot of people tried to sneak it on there and and get it, get tons of streams on it, just because they can kind of get paid for free, if you will, by doing that. Um, And Spotify went through and tried to find every AI thing there was and delete it off of there. So, you know, like I said, it's a problem, but I think for once the music industry is being proactive instead of reactive about things and kind of getting on it quickly and shutting it down. So I'm happy about that. I don't think we're ready for AI in any sector. Yeah. Mm -mm. I mean, there's movies about that shit that don't go well. You know, I'm telling you (laughs) they're, they're trying to warn us. Yeah. But you know, I mean, it's, even weird things, like I said, you know, we go back to our generation when the math teachers would tell us, you're not going to have a calculator on you every day when you're at the grocery store. Dude, oh, yeah, well. <laughs> dude I almost, dude, I, you fucking stole it. I almost post the other day on, on Facebook. I was like, I wonder if all these, um, like, uh, AI down players are the same kinds of people that told us that we wouldn't have a calculator in our pocket growing oh, up. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like, People are like, ah, it's not that big a deal. Like, you know, whatever. I don't know. That's so funny. You you mentioned that. That's so funny. Yeah. I almost posted it. Ah, you stole it from me. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. We'll it's like one of those things. It's like, it's like, you know, everyone thought the email was going to be, you know, here and gone. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. They there's there's a line. Take out the, the, you, have, you, you know. 
the post office too, and that's that's still kicking. Yeah, that's still going on. Or is it? There's a line in the office in one of the episodes that Dwight says, "Just wait till this computer fads over with." And I always crack up. And- <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? Um, I mean, real quick too. I mentioned earlier uh, Oliver Anthony. Mm-hmm. And I bring him up just because, like, it, it's I, I don't think I've ever seen personally someone who was literally nobody, mm-hmm. maybe 3,000 followers on uh, Spotify, and post a song. And, you know, two weeks later, over a million. Like, have you seen anything like this before? Trying to think, I, you know, I don't think we've had it in this kind of generation where you could do that before. You know, I think I think songs like that that I I regard it as kind of like a Bob Dylan tune. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's one of those kind of generational anthem things that are kind of coming out now. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think I've seen anything in the streaming world that we have right now kind of blow up like that in the sense of you know it, it strikes a chord with people. I mean, the one thing I will say about it after hearing it is that it's the quality of the song is there as far as, you know, if you just think from a musical standpoint, his guitar is in tune and he sings in tune. I guarantee you, if he didn't, if his guitar was all out of tune and he couldn't sing, it wouldn't have done what it done. You know, so that's a lesson right there. Like I said about the songs having to be good. You have to be able to play your instrument. You have to be able to tune your instrument. You have to be able to sing in tune, you know, those kind of things. I, I think that definitely is something that helped, you know, plus his uniqueness, plus the political climate. It was just kind of one of those, just the perfect storm of things coming together. That sucks too. I mean, each side is trying to make, uh, you know, a case against the other. Mm-hmm. It just, it's, it's so sad. I hate that so much. Yep. Absolutely. But, you know, it's, it's funny too with the media and the internet, like, you know, there's, I saw a post about him. Oh, he's going to play the Super Bowl, which isn't true. Um, and I saw a post, uh, him said there, it's said that he turned down an $8 million record contract. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's true or not, but what I wanted to ask you is because I know how I feel and maybe I'm just wrong. I was talking to my wife about this, uh, the other day. Is he foolish to turn down at this moment in his life an $8 million record deal? You know, I think there was a Billboard article that just came out, and I kind of can see this now as being a 15 minutes of fame type of thing. Um, you, we see that a ton. I mean, every TikTok viral star, and, and this is this is you know statistical. There's Billboard articles about it, too. They blow up. They get signed to a label. They have, you know, whatever, a number one, a number three hit, and they cannot reproduce it ever again. Mm -hmm. They cannot even get on the charts half the time again. So, you know, you're taking this, this moment, the snapshot, if you will, and it's, it's blowing up and becoming huge, but how quickly, whether it be the media or, you know, entertainment or anything, the news cycles pass us by, you know, so will this stay around probably for a while? Um, you know, does he have other songs that are great? I, I haven't really listened enough to know. Um, obviously he's got fans now, so they're going to listen to the other songs and think, oh, this, this is great too. And everything like that. I don't know. I don't have an opinion on it. I haven't listened to it. So, um, 
Yeah, I mean, it, it could definitely be like one of those viral type hits that, you know, in a couple of years we might forget about, um, you know. So I don't know. As far as turning down an offer from a label, you know, it just depends on, on kind of what he wants to do. I think right now he has he has a lot of clout into, you know, what he can do. But like I said, two, three years from now, we're going to see kind of how this shakes out and if he's still yeah. around or, you know, if he's still a star or if he's not, I mean. He has the potential right now to, you know, if he, I think if he kind of takes the right directions and the right steps and has the right team behind him, be able to do a lot, or if not, you know, he may just fizzle out like so many stars have before. Yeah. Now, I don't know, again, I don't know how true this is. So this, this podcast will probably drop uh, next week, the week of uh, the uh, September 5th or whatever. So, I mean, things could change between now and then yep. regarding this. So I, I don't know how true that that um, statement was. I just, you know, if it was the case, and I don't know the language. Let's say he was offered eight million dollars. You know, what was the language in that? You know, does he have to put out, you know, however many singles or songs or albums, whatever it might be? But um, what I what I read too is, you know, he quote unquote said, um, or he may have said that he didn't want to sell out or he wanted to stay true to who he who he was. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, if you're if you're that kind of guy, like take the money and, and help your community, maybe I don't know. Exactly. Yeah. But he he was just on Joe Rogan today. I mean, yeah. he, he's not going to slow down anytime soon. I mean, he's yeah. just on the biggest podcast platform in the the world. Exactly. So. I know he does have management, so yeah. you know I'm sure they're 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 pushing and you know doing what they can now to make the most out of the situation. Have you called him? Have you called him to try and get on Affiant Records? I, no, I have not called him. You know, not quite hard enough for me. Would you try? No, no, I did. that's not kind of. I don't think what I'm going for as far as okay. the brand of my label. Got you it. know, um, if he needs an attorney, absolutely. There you go. You don't need one. He doesn't yeah. have one already. Yeah, the the music industry is wild, and I didn't. I don't think I expected to get this much knowledge uh thrown at me so i hope people who listen to this um take a lot away from it because you gave away a lot of information um tonight i appreciate that a lot Um, absolutely if no one else listens i mean i i I appreciate the information um as a person who loves music this will be the last question i ask you what's your favorite album i have two honestly um but the first one I will say is Dead Winter Dead by Stavatov, which is now Trans-Siberian Orchestra. Um, that was just a life-changing album. I was over at Jared Scavone's house, who's an excellent guitar player, who I think mm-hmm. he's still in the area. I'm not yeah. sure. Um, and he gave me a copy of this, and I went home and I put it on. And just the first solo that I heard off of that, and it turns out to be the guitarist Al Petrelli, who has played with uh, Alice Cooper. He's done things with Dee Snyder. You know, just an overall great guitar player totally changed my way of looking at music of, of playing guitar and um you know the album just means so much to me and, and you know it's cool because i, I just after that I, he became the guitar guy to me so i was like oh what gears he using what notes he playing there blah 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 fast forward to 2020 with the pandemic and everything and i was lucky enough to be able to um have some guitar lessons with him and honestly he's become you know a, a friend and a mentor 
And I think that's like the coolest thing that, you know, the guy who changed my life musically is now, you know, I have his number in my phone. We text message each other. You know, so awesome. I always think, man, 20 year old Bill would be freaking out right now, you know? So, <laughs> that's so, so awesome. yeah, dead, yeah. Dead winter, dead by sabotage is definitely my number one album that I can't go without. Um, but then I will say that, you know, the one that kind of shaped my musical style that, you know, the labels kind of based on and, and a lot of the clients I represent is uh, Theosin's translating the name. I was teaching guitar in San Diego and this emo kid came in, you know, with the hair all swooped back in the day and everything. And he's like, oh, I want to play this. I'm like, all right. So I took it home and I put it on. And my first thought was, well, this kid's not going to ever be able to play this at his rate. But beyond that, you know, once I heard it, it was just like, wow, I've never heard anything like this. The raw emotion, the energy, just, you know, the notes and everything. And so that kind of took me down the rabbit hole into the alternative world and warped tour scene, if you will. So. Yeah, those are my those are my two albums for sure. Very cool. Well, Bill, it's been really great to connect, reconnect. Absolutely. No, we we, we weren't. Uh, I mean, obviously, you were a year ahead of me in high school. Uh, we had some uh, some similar friends, but I don't think yep. we ever really talked much, if at all. Yeah. Um, I always knew yeah. of you, um, so it's great to see. Um, you know what you're doing now with the your legal career and obviously the the launch of the label and obviously you know you had a lot going on leading up to that again thank you for your service um but yeah it's 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 great to see a fellow lehman lehmanite i guess you could say you know doing well um happy healthy you know doing what he loves so yep. uh hey you know, same with you, you man absolutely congrats to you as well on everything i don't know about me i'm just i'm just a guy just local celebrity at the least <laughs> i do have some awards yeah exactly do some, and 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 by the time this airs i could actually i could i could say this now by the time this airs it will be announced that i i am up for an award at the uh, uh the steamtown music awards again this there you year go. so we'll see if i win i hope nice it's always nice to get some what category um as of right now for what i heard it is uh podcaster slash okay. personality nice local celebrity if you will locals i'm telling you man I'm telling <laughs> no, you that's, everybody that's, knows johnny popka that's such a weird thing to even say that's one thing that's cool about this area it's like you can make a name for yourself which i you, you know, can it's and that's what's I mean, you, you know if you find a a small town and you know you just like you said you do right by people you're honest um you're nice to people uh and you just do the right things it's like you know you can you can kind of you know make some changes and and um speaking of changes i hate doing this but i gotta do it uh i'm not sure if you heard last year uh, i teamed up with the back mountain brewing company yeah it was which is owned by clay cadwalder oh wow nice and uh his wife um who also went to lehman and we did pop goes porter last year and nice. i bring this up because we did we did cans last year uh, it's back on tap right now at Backbound Brewing Company. And the reason I bring it up because uh, last year we donated $2,000 to the Lake Lehman Music Program. Awesome. And we're going to uh, donate a dollar per pint sold again to the uh, the Lake Lehman Music Program. So That's great. If you're in the Back Mountain and you want to stop by, grab a pint of Pop Goes Porter. It's a coffee-infused porter. Um, the coffee was provided by Bean Nick coffee company which is uh maddie labar 
Okay. Not sure if that name sounds familiar to you or not. Yeah, I know the Labar as well. Yeah, so that's that's on tap now. Um, but that was cool of Clay and his wife to do again because, as you know, you were you were uh, in the in the program, the band, the, the arts. Oh, yeah. you know, it's always the first thing to get cut as far as funding goes. So, yeah, uh, yeah, I wanted to make sure. But yeah, that's so it's, cool. it's enabled me to do things like that, which I love. Yeah. I, mean, I love the fact that um, I can use this platform and and the things I've done to to help out others because that's you know more important to me than you saying everyone knows Johnny Popko. I hope people know exactly. that. It's 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 it's. I don't ever want to come off as like that that guy that douche. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Understandable. So. Well, dude, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. It was great to, you know, one thing I love about this is the, the fact that I get to talk to people that I've known of, mm-hmm. uh, but talk to them for, you know, it's been an hour and a half now. So sorry for keeping you so long on a, on a week. Right. <laughs> I appreciate it. Um, and I hope to see you land more bands and, and help change, you know, their lives in, in the, the positive and, absolutely no thank you for having me like i said it was great to reconnect after all these years and you know just following each other on socials and kind of keeping up with what each other's doing so yeah you know much success to you in the future and with everything you're doing and uh cool. you know, if anybody wants to follow me like i said on social media i'm william j metzger pretty much on facebook and insta is my two main things and then uh affiant records that's on every social media platform there is and your website uh, my website is uh, williamjmetzgerlaw.com. Very cool. Well, again, congrats and best of luck. And affiantrecords.com. And affiantrecords.com. Yeah. Well, best of luck with everything you do, and uh, hopefully I'll see you in person. I know you've you've been in town uh, for the awards and, and the, yep. the conference weekend, so are you around yeah, this, this so year? I have a ton of family there. Wife's family's all there. You know, I, I got my my law license in Pennsylvania as well. Cool. Yeah, so, yeah. Are you, are you coming in this year for uh, this year, no, no, okay. Maybe not this year. year, but uh, yeah, I mean, we're hoping to be in for Christmas at least, so okay, to visit some family, so that'll be fun. Well, if you're around, maybe we should go see uh, a band or two. We'll hit up the yeah. V spot, that's the the V spot's like the place for, for music that's, yeah. this, these days, yep. which Vinny's great, and that Vinny's great. I wish there were more like it, but yeah, it is what it is. But, yeah. buddy, thank you so much. Thank you. All right, take care. All right, man, take it easy. All right, see ya. See ya.